Good Up is our space to talk about those experiences in life we didn't know we all had in common. We're the after work happy hour conversation with your best friend. The place where you bring up the hard parts of life, the ones that made you laugh, and the things that made you who you are. Because who said becoming good up wasn't a little bit uncomfortable? Stay tuned for more information about this week's episode. I am really excited um, to have my guest on here. I have Miss Nina Love with me. And we are going to be talking about all things self-care, self-preservation, just all of the things that I think we as women struggle with. And it's super fitting because on the day of today's recording, even though the podcast episode won't premiere on this day, it's (laughs) International Women's Day. And I woke up in a super celebratory mood. I woke up super excited, just happy to be a woman because as much as we go through the struggles that we go through and the experiences that we go through, there's nothing like it. And I would never want to be anybody else or live a different experience. So Miss Nina Love, how are you today? I'm good. I'm feeling empowered. I'm excited. It's early Sunday morning. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it is early. It's very, <laughs> it's very early. Um, so can you uh, talk to me about your journey with self-love like what what does self-love mean to you and at what point in your life did you realize that it was something that you had to practice or learn or develop for yourself so I think I had to well I'll answer what self-love is to me I think self-love for me is is really surrounded around self-honesty self-awareness so you know just understanding who you are what you want out of life and how, you know, how, what you want out of life and how you're able to, to maneuver through life without having anyone else put an influence on you. You know what I'm saying? And I think I had to learn fairly early how to practice self-love and how to, um, how to understand what it is. Because in my family, I was the only girl. I was the biggest, biggest female, but biggest person in my family as well. So very early, I was being judged not only in society, but at home as well. And I think it's harder for women who are judged in their family first, because this is supposed to be your safe space. This is where I'm supposed to go to get love, to get comfortability, to be able to just really be myself. So I started off understanding self-love and and, and self-hatred, honestly, when I was younger and I had to adopt in a family where being big wasn't, you know, the greatest thing and, and honestly I wasn't even really I didn't eat a lot when I was younger when I was young I was very I was very active and you know very healthy but it was just my body structure so I struggled a lot when I was younger and growing up in my teenage years of being a plus size woman and I'm still a plus woman plus size woman today and I realized that once you just start like just loving yourself you know and realize that you have the ability to change anything that you don't like So at a certain point, I realized I was plus size and I didn't want to be a certain weight. And I was like, you know, I can change that, but I need to change it for me and not anyone else. So ultimately, it's literally being you for you and not because someone else said that this is right or this is the stereotypical woman. This is how she looks. This is how she should feel. And it's like, no, it's not. Yeah, I think a a very good point you made is 
the fact that for so many women, we learn self-hatred before we learn self-love. Yes. I I think that's such a common thing, especially with a lot of, so most of my guests so far in the podcast have been women. Um, The majority have been black women. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about a number of different topics. So relationships with mothers, anxiety, just all, you know, all types of struggles that we go through. And one thing that I've learned or have noticed is that we develop this like deep sense of self-hatred really, Mm -hmm. really young. And it's either because of how, you know, what we learn or what's said to us by our families or just how we have to interact in social settings and how society wants to make us feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then add on top of that being a black woman, and the fact that society already wants us to hate ourselves just for, for, just for being Black, it's, it's a tough combination to deal with, especially when you're a child and when you're a teenager because yeah. you're not fully developed yet. You're not as mature. Um, and those things, like, we, we internalize them really young. So, yeah, my, my self-love journey was definitely similar in the fact that I learned self-hatred first. And yeah. I will say that, you know, I'm turning 27 in about a month and I'm still in the development stages of self-love. Like, yeah, I have my days where like, I really, really, really like, you know, I love being me. And then I have my days where like I nitpick and I'm just like, yeah. And it's not just physical. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe you can touch on that a little bit. The fact that self-love is not just you know, learning to love our bodies or what we see on yeah. the outside, it's also internal. And I think just to piggyback a little bit off of the Nick picking as well, I tell a lot of my mentees or just women in general that it's normal for us to have days where we are not feeling 100% because we're human and we're in flesh. So we're not always going to be well put together. We're not always going to feel our best. It's that it's, I think it becomes toxic and it becomes very harming when we have more of those days than we do our days we feel well. But um, just to touch on your question as well, I think that that's a lot of part of self, self-love as well. It's like we don't understand that you can physically feel how you want to feel, but mentally is the is the foundation of how you feel you get you mean you get what I'm saying so if you you know a lot of times people say if you just if you look good you feel good but I think it's the 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 opposite if you feel good you look good you know a lot of people say oh girl you're glowing and they're really talking you're glowing because you didn't let stress go you didn't let emotional um bondage go so I think that um, mentally is a big part of self-love and that's why I said that self-love is um, equated to like self-awareness and self-knowledge because once you know yourself from your flaws to what you like whether it's eating whether it's walking whether whatever your hobbies or your career path whatever it is that you want out of this life once you understand mentally what that is for you you're able to really understand how do I accomplish self-love you know what I mean so I know I want to be um, and this is like far-fetched, but I know I want to be an actor one day, so I'm going to do the things that I need to do to get in that acting experience, whether it's minor acting, whether I'm trying to be on Broadway, whether I'm trying to work with Tyler Perry, whatever it may be, you're now taking those steps to get there, and that, and, and the, and the part of that is your self-love, because you're, you're, you're nurturing what it is you want, and you're doing it the way you want to do it, so essentially, um, just, having a plan, I guess, and really sitting down with yourself and say, okay, like I had to sit down with myself and look myself in the mirror. And I know sometimes people think that is so like cliche and weird, but 
I'm I'm really able. I had to sit down one day with myself and look in the mirror and say, Yo, Tanina, what is it that you want? You say you want to be happy. You say you want love. You say you want this, but what does that mean? You know, what does it look like? Now, how do you achieve it? So, I hope that answers. Yeah, it it definitely does, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I I think for so many of us, like we think in the beginning that self-love is, is simple and it's really not because if it took this many years for you to develop this self-hatred and, and, you know, internalize all of those bad things that society has said about you, that, that people have said about you or just the struggles that you've gone through. Um, and then, you know, specifically for black women, the struggles that we go through in terms of race and our gender and just how those things kind of intersect and we can't be, we can't be fully woman and we can't be fully black. Like we're always right. in the experience of black women. So that's another just struggle and journey in and of itself. Right. Um, and I think we come to this whole self-love topic and we expect to snap our fingers and love ourselves in, oh. <laughs> in a day. And we, like you said, we also expect to feel a hundred percent and to feel this, this just glow and everything is sparkle and sunshine every day. And it's not. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you failed. It doesn't yeah. mean you don't love yourself. It just means it's a journey. Like it's yeah. like, I think people look at relationships with more or relationships with other people, like with our partners, in a more patient like lens than we do our we relationships do with ourselves. Yeah. Like yeah. I I'll look at my relationship with my fiance and say, oh, well, you know, we've, we've been a f together for five years. It's, we've had our ups and downs and oh, it's been a struggle. And thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's been a struggle and, and, you know, we've had our moments and it hasn't always been easy, but then I'll look at right. my relationship with myself and be like, why don't I love myself every day? Like, I don't feel great about him every day. Some days I want to kill him. Like, <laughs> so I need to give myself the same like patience for things to change and yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, so when does self-love, I guess, become self-care for you or when, when does self-care come into play with your self-love journey? Um, honestly, every day, because it's the, like you said, it's a journey. So it's those little things that, um, nurture, that nurture it. So every day, I think that I tried, I try at least 30 minutes every day to do something that's either literally for me though. So there's like self-care when it comes to my journey in um, entrepreneurship, my journey as an author, my, like for the little things that we do. So my pat on my back is, my pat on my back is being able to, um, you know, read a book for 30 minutes a day, go walk for 30 minutes a day, um, talk to my boyfriend for 30 minutes a day, whatever it may be that it, that'll help me release those energies and toxins of the day that will help me move forward through life and be able to go do anything else I need to do with a clear mind. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it, it definitely did. Um, I, I, de I like the fact that you pointed out not just this standard idea of self-care that we have. So a <laughs> lot of people, when they think about self-care, they think I'm going to go home and take a bubble bath and yes. candles and listen to some Janae Aiko and just chill. Um, and it's so funny you said that because a section of my book is literally self-care is more than bubble baths and facial masks. Yeah. Because while that stuff is like, don't get me wrong, like I literally, at least every two months, I literally go get a massage or a facial, whatever the case may be. But that's that's still all like, 
inner and it could be some uh, not inner outer it could be inner as well because you're able to relax and release but in my book I also say that self-care is also therapy self-care is also you know having those conversations that you don't want to have with people self-care is having that conversation with yourself that you didn't want to have with yourself that conversation was like you know Tanina the other day you you said you was going to do this and you didn't do it step it up being your own accountability partner like self-care is so much more than than what buying ourselves stuff and doing that like that's still self-care too but we can buy ourselves a million things we can go to a spa a million times but if we're not taking care of our inner self we're not really experiencing self-love and self-care we're not really putting that into practice so i think that was funny that you said the bubble bath bar because i literally a title in my book <laughs> yeah it it honestly for me self-care was it was both like the, the bubble bath thing and the doing nice things for myself and shopping. But at one point I had to learn that self-care is also saving my money and budgeting myself and mm -hmm. paying closer attention to my finances and fixing my credit and all of those things, you know, I've been working on for the past couple of years and it didn't feel like self-care in the beginning. It felt like mm -hmm. oh, it's a responsibility. I don't want to do right. that. But because I deal with things like anxiety and stuff like that, if I'm fixing my finances, that means I'm less stressed about where I am, like my position exactly. financially, which means that I'm practicing self-care. If I'm going to therapy to sort of help eradicate or navigate through my mental health issues, then that's practicing self-care because it's easier for me to navigate life. Exactly. If I'm removing some people from my life, that's <laughs> also self-care because then I'm not having to deal with whatever negative feelings they bring into my life. So it's, it's important. And we are definitely going to, you know, go into a deeper discussion about your book, because I think women need to be more conscious of how they practice self-care and also mm -hmm. start real, start utilizing other black women to help you practice self-care. So yeah. Nina Love has a book. There are other people who have podcasts. There's a podcast called Therapy for Black Girls that I listen to often. Yes, um, I listen to them as well. Yeah, there's there's so many different ways that we can, you know, connect with other black women to help us practice our um our self-care process. And it's just it's really important for us to pay attention to that, to start writing down those resources. Um, and, and to practice those things. And I think it's also a thing where we have to be receptive as Black women, too, to help each other and to be there for each other. Because I know a lot of times we say, you know, we want to help each other and we want these resources. And then it's like we're in competition with each other instead of in collaboration. And I know that's a big thing now. But, like, we need to make sure that we're genuinely supporting each other, genuinely collaborate with each other because literally with us with if we all stand together no one will be able to tell us anything like we are so powerful when we when we become one we're so powerful because you you have what i don't have and i have what you don't have like we're literally pieces to a puzzle for each other and i think if we're able to support each other and uplift each other the way that we're supposed to Oh, we we really gonna be a force to reckon with. We already are a force to reckon with alone. So imagine if we have five hundred black girls together just killing the game with podcasts and clothing lines and therapies and therapists are and therapists and social workers and and just everything all in one. Like we'll literally dominate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think a part of my, I guess, self-care and self-love journey now, especially as um, a blogger, as, as someone who has a podcast and in this day and age, it, it it was feeling for a little while like, damn, everybody wants a podcast. Everybody wants a yeah. podcast. Everybody's doing what I'm doing. How am I going to make myself unique? And I felt this like pressure, like, and then I realized one day, like, it turned from me putting pressure on myself to me feeling envious of other Black women mm. who I'm supposed to love, who I'm supposed to support, who sometimes were my own friends and my own, like, family. And they're like, oh, I want to start a blog. And I'm just like, you about to add another blog to the the world and it's going to be more competition. And then I had to check myself and be like, yo, if you love yourself, if you feel pride in yourself, if you believe in what you're actually doing, then her blog shouldn't have any effect on you. You should be supporting what she's doing. And if you, because on my blog, I say it like, I want to support other writers. I want to support other black women. And then for me to be feeling that envy is like, are you, do you really want to support other black women if this is how you feel? So I had to check myself on that and be more honest with myself and just start doing the work to kind of go from a place of, of envy to a place of being more supportive right. and more loving and embracing, you know, the, the black women around me, especially in the blog world, especially on Instagram, yeah. everybody's doing it but that doesn't mean that we all can't do it together. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your, your book, because this is definitely a goal I have just as a woman in my lifetime, I I've written an ebook, but I've never, you know, gone further and written a full length, like book. So what was that journey like? And what made you even want to, to write a book? So it, it's funny. Cause I go by a saying of like, life is full circle. And, and a lot of things that I've done when I when I was younger have come to play now. And it's like, I'm very spiritual, so it's weird. And I just look at God sometimes, and I'm like, ah, that's why when I was little, I had to go through that. Or that's why I went th- th- through that when I was a teenager. But in essence, long story short, I used to write all the time when I was younger. And I was really into becoming an actress. I come from a single-parent home, just me and my mom. Um, I was I wanted to be an actress, so I always write plays, and I used to say names every time, and I just knew I was going to be the next Tyler Perry, right? Um, but as I got older and you start realizing stuff as a Black woman, yeah, I want to chase my dreams, but I also have other responsibilities that I have to go for. And although my mom never put pressure on me to not be an actress, I really know I needed to get out here and make money and start helping my mom with bills because I watched her struggle, right? So I, I, I put a handle on writing. Went through, went through high school, went to college, graduated college with a criminal justice degree, wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah, that was a dub. <laughs> wanted to, um, and I want to work with at-risk kids, and I, I knew that I wanted to give back, and I wanted to be that role model that I wanted when I grew up outside of my mom. So six months after graduation, um, I was at home. My mom had came home, and she had suffered a stroke. And I, w- I was asleep, though, and it was like a little voice that was like, you know, you got to wake up. So my mom, I was sleeping. I looked up. She was like, she was eating her food, and she dropped it. I'm like, that's not normal. And then she started slurring her words, and I know the symptoms of stroke. So by that time, I'm up, like, out of my sleep, calling 911, hoping that this is like a mouth stroke. Um, I know she had a history of, like, high blood pressure and stuff. You know, most <laughs> black, older black women who love their fried chicken and their fried potatoes. Um, So... Long story short, she was in the hospital for two weeks, ended up passing right after Thanksgiving. Worst time of my life. My mom's my everything. I'm still coping with it. Um, and so I promised her 
before she passed, I was, you know, going through the audition process of the Miss Full Figure DMV pageant here in Washington, D.C., and um, I promised myself that I would do it for my mom. So I'm also a spoken word artist, and that was one of the things I did in the pageant in honor of my mom. I did a spoken word piece called Pretty Hurts, and then I got off stage, and my boyfriend at the time, a guy in the crowd asked, where he, can he purchase some of my work? And it kind of like ding, where it was like, dang, I really, people really would like to see this. So I just started writing and I used it as therapy, honestly. It became, okay, write out your feelings about how you're dealing with your mom or how you got to this point where you're at and go ahead and throw in some spoken word pieces. And once I let someone read it, they was like, yo, like you got to publish this. And I was like, ah, you know, I always said I want to do a book, but I just don't, you know, that was for me, you know? And they got to a point where I let somebody else read it and they like, yo, Nina, like, women are dealing with this stuff like publish this like it's not gonna be 100 percent. ain't that what you always tell us and i'm like all right so i ended up publishing it i um, independently published it and i dropped it on my mom's birthday april 8th of 2018 so this year will be a year since i dropped my book and i can't wait to celebrate that and do a big huge sale but yeah it was really it really just started off as a therapeutic um a therapeutic way like that's another thing i do for self-care just write to kind of get my feelings out because I didn't know how to channel all these energies. So I just graduated college. My mom passed. Don't know what I want to do with my life. Can't call her and ask her for advice. So um, she was really the sole foundation of me writing. Just other events kind of led up to that. Yeah, that is that is definitely super powerful. Just the fact that you could use that as a healing process. And grief is, is one of those things that if you if you let it, it can overtake your life it can stop you in your tracks from from doing everything um and the fact that you you used it to create this book and you recognize and that's important and something i hope that the women listening to this podcast or anybody listening to this episode are are tuning into it's up to you to choose to put your gifts out into the world. Mm-hmm. Like until you decide that your stuff is worth it and that you have something to say and that you have something that's, that's worth putting out into the world. Like people will be telling you like, yo, why don't you start a blog? Why don't you write a book? Why don't you do this? And sometimes in my opinion, and that's, you know, just, just my thoughts and my spiritual journey. Sometimes I feel like that's God putting those people in yeah. your path. So that, you know, because he, he won't speak through you in, or to you in a very literal way. It'll always be through somebody else. It'll always yeah. be some, some experience that you had. And you'll notice that in your mind, you'll be like, I want this. I want to get to this place. And you'll secretly kind of be wishing on it and hoping for it and asking God for it. And he won't say, okay, you can have it. He'll put other people in your path that'll test you and be like, are you going to write a book? You should write a book. You should start a podcast. You should do this. And it's up to you to recognize when you're in the position to do those things mm-hmm. and say, yes, I can do this. Yes, I'm going to do it. Um, another thing that I found um, you know, really funny when you just mentioned it is that you actually uh, launched your book on my birthday. Um, so I was like, oh, look at that. Oh, that's your birthday? Oh, <laughs> yeah, April so 8th cool. is my birthday. Um, so that's oh, that is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, with the with the book, what do you think the the reception was to it, and and what types of conversations have you had with women after your book has has come out? I think the biggest thing I've had, and I think it's so inspiring, is the fact that so many people are sitting on stories that they want to write, 
and I and I wanted to touch back on what you said as well. Like there was a point in time where it's like, okay, I wanted to write a book, and as soon as I made the decision, I sent it off to the editor. Let my um, I had two editors, and let them edit it, kind of put their feel into it. Um, I had seen other people like, oh, I'm dropping a book, I'm dropping a book, and it was like, um, don't want to drop my book anymore. Like you know, it was it's kind of sometimes one of those things as women or as people in general. I don't want to just keep saying women, but people in general, we want to do it by ourselves, you know, like, I want to drop this book and no one else around me, or I want to drop a podcast and no one around me, so I definitely feel the 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 point of envy, and I had to get past that, and where was like, your book is not the same as hers, your podcast is not the same as hers, they're not, you, the, I think a lot of the envy goes away when you start realizing your purpose, you know, so my purpose for writing a book was to share my story so that others can see that you can heal from scars, and that's literally what I say when I talk to everyone else. I have scars that I've healed from. I have wounds that I hear from, healed from. And I want, honestly, the younger generation, because that's what, you know, the future is. The younger generation to see that, like, life is a total drag. Like, but if you're able to understand who you are, understand that it's inevitable that things are going to happen, and you see that someone who looks like you can heal from these things, once I realized that, that that was my purpose, I couldn't be envy of anyone else because I don't know what her purpose is and I don't know what audience that they're trying to reach. But I'm going to support you while I'm doing what I got to do in my work of God, right? So that's that was that whole spiritual journey that I went through and how I was able to overcome the, I guess, envious spirit. But um, yeah, sorry. A lot of feedback that I got is a lot of women are sitting on stories that they want to tell, they want to write books. So a lot of times I get a lot of people who are, well, I want to write a book and I don't know where to start. Can you help me? How, what was the journey? What made you want to write a book? Like, I have a story that I want to tell too. And even even deeper, you have a lot of people that's like, yo, like, you're so fearless. And I, don't, and I think people see the end results of a lot of things that I do or that people do in general, but you don't see the process. So what I try to do with my entrepreneurship, um, with me writing a book and me being a spoken word or, or uh, uh, sorry, spoken word artist, I literally try to be as raw as possible. Now there's some things that of course you have to keep to yourself because whenever I am going through through days where it's like I literally miss my mom and I can't get out of bed, of course I don't want to be on Instagram crying because that's just not, I don't feel like you know that's really authentic. But once I'm over, I'm, I get over that and I'm able to to kind of share that story and that journey, that's what I try to do. Because I realize a lot of people are going through this. A lot of people are sitting on pain from losing someone that was their caretaker or losing their self, you know? And that's a really big thing. And and I've always been a person who tried to overcome obstacles by saying, you know what, it's just another hurdle. Let me jump over it. How can I use this to to enhance someone else's life? And I don't necessarily grieve, you know? So... I, li- I just try to be as raw as possible with people. And when dropping my book and saying that people were really watching my journey, people were really being inspired by my journey, it really it really touched me. Because you just never know when you do stuff like this. Like, especially if you're just doing it out of real, like pure authenticity, authenticity, excuse me. Um, you just never know what happens. So it's been a lot of like inspiration, a lot of I want to do it too. How do I do it? Like your story really touched me and I, and I've been dealing with this silently. Who do you think I should go talk to? Can I talk to you? Uh, that's a big, the, one of the biggest like DMs or I've had people call my phone who know me personally. It's like, Nina, like, why you never told me this? Like I've been sitting here trying to figure out how to deal with it. Not needed to. So that's like 
side note, a really big piece of advice is like a lot of times we try to keep a lot of things to ourselves. And as women, like we said before, supporting women means giving our story because someone else is dealing with it. Someone else needs you. And I understand everyone's not called to to be a, a, a preacher or, a, you know, a mentor, but just even if it's like a, yeah, I went through it too. Like sometimes that literally softens the load for someone else when you can say literally, I've I've been there. And I can't give you the best advice, but let me tell you, I feel your pain because I've been there. You know, yeah. So. yeah, I think um, a, a difficult thing, especially for for women, is that in this day and age, everybody feels like if if I have a story to tell, I have to start a blog to tell it. I have yeah. to have a big following to tell my story because nobody's going to listen. I'll all you need is that one person who for some reason needed to hear what it is you needed to say, whether that's your friend and you're in the car riding somewhere or whether that's somebody Mm -hmm. on Instagram, it doesn't matter what platform you utilize or where you tell your story. What matters is that like, like Nina Love said, like you are recognizing that other people need to hear the stories and the struggles and the things that you've gone through. And that's, that's the entire purpose of this podcast. Everyone's like, Oh, are you going to have so-and-so on so you can interview them? And I don't really do. My goal really is never to interview somebody. It's for Mm. the person to tell their story so that whoever is listening can find something to connect to, whether it's this episode, the next one or the last one, you know, um, Mm. A big part of this too, and a big responsibility we have and something that I think I've been learning in my self-love journey is self-preservation because having a podcast, having a blog, having a following, and I'm a former pageant queen too. I was, yeah, I was an HBCU queen in, in 2016 when I was at Prairie View and yeah. And it came with, it, it was a beautiful journey, but it came with this big following, especially yeah. of young black women who just needed somebody to talk to. Yeah. And I wanted to be there for everybody. And I love the mm. fact that sometimes I could be, but that's where I learned that self-preservation matters because while we're also, you know, being open and telling our stories and sharing our journeys with other people, we also need to practice taking care of ourselves and stepping Mm -hmm. back and knowing when we can't fix people, sometimes we can't really help. And sometimes it takes a toll on you. So, you know, for me, I spoke openly about things like my breakup, um, you know, a few years ago because my, my fiance now, and I have, have gone through some struggles and there was a period of time where we didn't know if the relationship was going to last. And I spoke openly about it. And people would come to me and be like, yo, I'm going through the same thing with my partner. And in the beginning, it was like, okay, I can relate. Let's talk about this. But then it would last for like six months. I would keep getting people yeah. coming to me. And so, some days it's like, yo, I'm still in pain. Yeah. I, I want to talk about this and I want to share my journey and I want to help you, but I'm still in pain. I'm still grieving. I'm still going through this. I'm still experiencing yeah. anxiety. So what are some ways that you, like you said, you mentioned that some days, you know, you're, you're still grieving. You're still very much mourning your mom and you yeah. step back. So how else do you like practice self-preservation and, and, you know, just taking care of yourself on those days when, you know, it's just too hard? Um, that's a good question. I think that a lot of it, again, is like keeping that be real and be raw moment. Like, there's a lot of times, especially around the holidays, where I have to keep myself out of a funk. 
and granted, I have really great people around me who understand the 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 depth, the deepness of of me losing my mom, especially around the holidays. These are our favorite times. So anytime a holiday comes up, I literally get into a funk and I have to really, you know, push myself. And that means like literally like I have to fight whatever the devil or any demons or whatever the case may be, any negativity that's on me, I literally have to combat it. So it's like I do this thing where every negative thought I have, I have to put a positive thought in it and like beat it out. So every time it's like, I don't want to get out of bed. It's like, but you have to get out of bed because your mom will want you to get out of bed. And even more so, it's like literally just being real with myself and being real with my friends or even people, my mentees, anyone that's looking for anything. I have to be able to say, you know, like right now, I'm not in a space where I can discuss this with you. However, when I get to that space, I promise to get back to you. And I'll let you know that I can't, I don't know if it's going to be in a day or two. I don't know if it's going to be a couple months, but at this moment, I'm not able to give what I need to give you. Like my cup has run empty and I've learned that I can't give the ingredients that's in my cup. I have to give the other overflow. And right now my overflow is gone and I have to re-up for myself because that's another thing with inspiring people or trying to, you know, be there for a person. It's like, if you're not, completely there yourself you can't be there for anyone else now I preach that all the time because I didn't understand that I didn't understand that as I was going through this journey I just thought I was going to be there for everybody I was going to be everything and I and I'll be good I'll be good I'll tell people that don't worry about me I'll be good I'll be good and then I got to a point where like you said it takes a toll because you have so many people who are who are asking who are there and, and you're just like okay I gotta help I gotta help but you're not realizing that you're not even helping yourself. So in my book, also, I say that you you give all, you give away, I was giving away everything that I needed. You know what I'm saying? And I think that was one of the most powerful things I wrote because when I wrote that, I said, wow, I literally gave everything to everybody, but I left nothing for me. So I think a lot of my self-preservation comes from my past, honestly, it comes from experiencing those, th those things that stopped me or didn't um, make me heal me or I, I kind of just left myself in a limbo so now a lot of the times it's like you are what matters at the end of the day you want to inspire you want to make sure that the generation behind you is at their fullest or at least able to battle a lot of these um, things that we went through and didn't know and we were blinded to at least you're able to go into it with some type of weapon in order for you to do that you have to take care of yourself if you don't take care of yourself you can't take care of them so that's kind of I kind of just it's it's all mental for me like I had grown up especially like I said being that person in my family who was the biggest who was into school so I was like the nerd of the family who wasn't you know super hardcore like I'm a lover like I'm I'm super emotional and I had to learn how to not be super emotional about everything too but like I literally was honestly the outcast of my family so I had been from day one coping and, and training myself to get to this point and a lot and it's I used to hate when people would say it's all mental because it's like bro no it's not but as you get older you realize like if you think it it's gonna become so most of my things like I know I'm repeating it but most of my things I'm repeating it because it's so powerful to me yeah so yeah. most of my my self-perseverance comes from just my thought process and I do have to get my funk myself out of sometimes or sometimes people have to call me like hey yo you know what you said don't get up so literally just 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 thinking the right thing will put you where you need to be 
Yeah. That's such a valid point. Like what you just um, said about, you know, people kind of checking on you. Another important part of self-preservation is letting people in and having your tribe, you know, around you and making sure that those are people who recognize like your, your behaviors, who recognize, you know, how things change when you're not okay. And giving those people the space to be the ones that check on you when you're not okay. Like, I know I have my tribe. I have my set of people who, if I go quiet, if they see I haven't posted online in a while, or if they just, you know, they we're so close at this point that sometimes I feel like they just feel it, that something's off. And they'll text me and be like, you good? You're, you've yeah. been quiet. Are you okay? It's important because, again, especially as Black women, we kind of carry the world on our backs sometimes. And sometimes that includes pain. We carry it and we carry it and we carry it. And we think that it's ours and we don't have to put it down and we don't have to share it with anybody and, and have them, you know, be there for us. It's, you know, you have to allow people to love on you and you have to allow people to help you preserve yourself and to care for yourself. Um, so just having your tribe is important, having people you depend on and also just being able to verbally say, I'm not okay that was a journey. Just those three words were a struggle for me for a big yeah. part of my life. And and you and I can definitely relate on that. Just feeling like I had to take care of everybody or just feeling like if I admitted that I wasn't okay, then I wasn't strong anymore. And I wasn't like yeah. on, my, on my stuff anymore, you know? Yeah. So just getting to the point. And I, it's funny because I actually learned how to really practice saying I'm not okay from Twitter <laughs> because really? yeah, because you know, black Twitter is this like super like big community, but we're all like very tight knit. And this was the first place where I saw black women and black men openly talking about mental health and about yeah. you know, things that we go through. And I noticed that a lot of the people I followed would have days where they they would come on Twitter and be like, yo, I'm not okay today. Um, mm-hmm you know, can y'all just send me some good energy or can y'all pray for me or can y'all, you know, send me something funny, like, but they were okay going on there and admitting that they weren't okay. And so I just started practicing it for myself. And now like, you know, my, my friends and I, I'm in Arizona, everybody else is like in Texas or on the East coast, or we're all very spread out, but we have this app called Marco Polo. And it's, you know, you record your video, you send it to your friends. It's like, it's like texting, except you just record yourself and you stop the video and you send it and they check it whenever they get to, you know, after work or whenever. And we have a group chat and, you know, we'll all come in there and sometimes we'll be like, you know, today I'm having a good day or whatever. And we'll give an update on our day. But some days we'll come in there and be like, I'm not okay right now. I'm gonna, you know, step back from the chat for a little while. I just wanted you guys to know, like, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not okay. Yeah. the fact that we trust each other enough and respect each other enough to just be like, yo, this is what I'm going through right now has made such a huge difference because you know that you can do that. So yeah. Yeah. If, if I could leave, you know, the listeners with anything, it would be listen to everything that, that Nina love has said so far. And oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like understand that it's a journey and that you have to be so self-aware you know, yeah. in order to, to practice self-love and to practice self-care. Um, so in, in terms of your book, 
is there going to be another one or do you have women like <laughs> sending you their stories and you know everything that you've heard in terms of just the reception you've gotten from the book like what happens next so I've had a lot of people send me stories and want you know the help of me um and I don't know that's another thing too I don't know if I'm like at the place and I've been doing a lot more research to um be a a publisher for people yet so I've been doing research to become a publisher and help people in that way because literally I was blindsided doing this book so by the time I do my next book if there is a net book next book I will be like 10 times more expert um I have been asked though will there be more books I think more so I'm kind of just focused on doing a little bit more spoken word um I think that's my point of um, I guess ministry. Now, I, I love to perform and I love giving my energy through spoken word. And the book is cool, but I feel like having people see me, see my spoken words and feel their energy, you're able to get a lot more of what I'm trying to portray. Um, I don't know if another book is coming. I have been writing though. I have been writing and I've been praying for God to kind of just lead me in the, in the next direction. Honestly, like I said, I did want to be a writer when I was little. When I was little, so for me to have published a book is really like a dream come true. So I'm I'm definitely still working on that. So next is literally just pushing kind of my spoken word and pushing, um, just just love honestly because it's 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 hard out here and I know a lot of people are searching for genuine and and, and authentic people to kind of give them their stories and be there for them. So I'm definitely here just helping people kind of find a way myself as well. Cause it's, it's hard out here, you know? Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, so last question for you. And since it's international women's day, I thought this one would be fitting. What is your favorite thing about being a black woman? My favorite thing about being a black woman is our strength. No doubt. Like we're so strong. So person, like we persevere through so much, but I think also the fact that there's so many different types of us, like, so many different shades, so many different sizes. And of course, for all women, that's the case, but it's something specifically about black women that is so fulfilling and so like, I don't know, when you meet another black woman and you have conversations like this and you're able to share your journey and you're able to just look and be like, yo, you're really dope. Like you have so much of like me and you, like they're able to see another black woman and see myself, it's like so dope. Like. I love black women. Love all women, but I love black women. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> I I definitely love all women. And I know that there are, you know, so many different kinds of women who listen to this podcast, but the bond that I have with, with black women, the journey that I've been on just as a black woman and with black women, I'm surrounded by them. And I honestly look back at my life and the, the things that I've been through and just the things that I've learned and black women have taught me so much in my life. Like yeah. just even this entire, you know, the, the topic we're talking about today with self-care and self-love and this journey of like self-preservation, almost everything that I've learned has been through the example of other just amazing black women. So yes, that's, I, I wouldn't have it any other way as, as difficult as it can be sometimes as unique as our yeah. journey is. I wouldn't ask to be anybody else. So that's why, you know, when we came on the podcast and we were like, yeah, you know, I'm excited. Today's International yeah. Women's Day. It, it goes back to that. Like, 
this day just kind of reminds me like yo you're a black woman you know that like that's right, like do you know that you're like a superhuman exactly um so i i definitely want to thank you so much for for being on the podcast today and you guys will be able to find nina love and everything that she does on the episode notes um and yeah i will see you guys right back here next week Good Up is hosted and produced by Deidre Ritter and Hey Isaac Quinones Ivory and is a proud member of the Kickin' It family. Find us on all social media platforms at GoodUpPod. Use hashtag GoodUpTuesday to continue the conversation and get access to exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash gooduppodcast.